right. Yeah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're, uh, of course, um, con- continuing in our, in our uh, little series, I guess we have. And I'm not a series person for, for Sunday mornings, really, but uh, this is kind of the way the Lord has, has led us. And it's really been amazing how it's kind of tied into different uh, situations and times and, and even Sunday school classes and different things. But Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, of course, uh, that's our text verse, has been for some time. And hopefully if we just keep going over it, then you'll have it memorized. And it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And what's the important part of that, that verse? Anybody want to help me? All power, all power. I'm glad that two people learned that. All power. Uh, Verse 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so God... Uh, one more time, Jesus said, I've, I have all power, and I'm going to be with you all way. And so if he's with us all the time, uh, and he's going to be with us all the way through uh, eternity, uh, he's with us. But he's really talking about, of course, here, our time on this earth. He said, I've given you all power, and, and I'm going to be with you. All, so all power will be with you all the time as you go through and teach all nations uh, what I've commanded you. And so... Uh, that's where we are and where we've been for some time now. But as we continue through the commands of Christ, uh, we, uh, I'm just going to review real quickly again because there's some that are not here uh, for certain times and certain services. But we started out, the first command that Jesus gave was, was to repent. Repent. Uh, that's where Jesus began. Repent of the disbelief of Christ and believe in the sinless, perfect Son of God. Believe in Him. He came. He lived, he died, he was buried, he rose from the grave, and they said, you don't believe that? Repent of that and believe in Jesus. Believe that he is the Savior and that he came to save us from our sins. And he said, once you believe in me, follow me. That was the number two thing. Number two thing that he said, I mean, that's in his divine order he gave this. He said, follow me. Once we believe, we are, uh, we are to follow him. Obviously, he, and as I, I've emphasized this each time, obviously he must be going a direction that we weren't going. If he says for us to follow him, he wouldn't tell me to follow him if I was already going where he was going. And he says, but to follow me. And so that means, uh, that means to follow Jesus in his direction. It almost also means to follow Jesus in uh, his, his speed, so to speak. I mean, we need to, we need to quit getting ahead of God. God just, God's going to take us, and he's going to take us where he wants us to go. He ordered our steps. He's directed our steps. All we're supposed to do is follow those steps. And so uh, then he says, as we follow him, it went into a little bit of a, a background, but he says, you're going to face some persecution. You're going to face some issues in your life that as you follow me, I mean, and as the world gets darker and darker, you know, Hebrews 10, 25 says, you know, that we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, uh, you know, we don't, we don't assemble less. That's what, again, where a lot of our world out here, Christian world has got this thing all wrong. They're getting together less and less so they can have a bigger crowd at the one time they get together no God says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together but you are to assemble so much the more 
you're to come together so much the more to encourage each other, to exhort each other, uh, to help each other so much the more. So as you see the day approaching, that's the day of Christ approaching. Let me just tell you, it is approaching. It's, it's a wicked world that we live in. And and uh, it has declined and going to continue to decline, but uh, Christ is coming. So we're to follow him. And, and then we're to, as we go through these trials of life, uh, as we follow him, we're to rejoice. Rejoice as you follow. Uh, and rejoice in the trials and persecutions that you face as a Christian. He said it's very important that we have a right spirit as Something happening to me again. Uh, it's very important that he has the right spirit as we go through this. Is there some switch on this that's not supposed to be a switch? It's supposed to be on zero? Okay. All right. Um, so, it, but how we face the trials of life are very important because that will show people who we are, and that will make a difference in how our light shines. Okay, we're going to have to. You guys have any idea, or, or I'll need to shut this off? All right. Okay. And so uh, by rejoicing, we let our light shine. That's the next command. Let your light shine. As you go through the persecutions and trials of life, let your spirit show forth. Let your light shine. Let the people see that there's hope in Christ. Uh, it, you know, our attitude, our spirit uh, is just so very important. And I'll just uh, turn this off and I'll stay right here for the most time, I think. So as we let our light shine, it's so very important that, that people see Christ in us as we go through the trials. Uh, you know, that's why I'm trying my best right now to have a right spirit about my microphone. <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep a smile on my face. And if I have something to throw at my PA man, I'm going to. So, they, uh, but, oh, I just pushed this away. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next thing that he said is to honor God's law. And, and, and one of the first things in this, in these these uh, commands that Jesus gives, he wants to make sure that we understand that the law has not been done away. He says we need to honor God's law. And so, uh, so that we can continue to let the light shine. You know, we let our light shine by living the law of God. When you, when you live contrary to the law of God, you're not letting your light shine for Christ. When you live according to the law of God, you're letting your light shine. And then, and then he said, be reconciled to those that you have offended. And, and that's a very direct uh, little uh, principle here. He says, if you have offended. And watch this. We, we, we really know most of the time if we've offended somebody. We suspect it. We may try to justify it in our minds, but we know if we have. And he said, you need to be reconciled uh, if you have. And he said, very simply, as we're growing in this Christian life, one of the things he says, lust and now this lust covers all kinds of a gamut. We, all, all, we so often think of it as, as sensual and sexual, but, but lust is lusting after anything other than God. And he says, uh, do not lust. And he says, next is to keep your word. Keep your word. Now, it's a, it's a very vital thing. It's something, I, again, I, this world doesn't understand like it used to understand. Uh, a man's word should be his bond. Uh, it just, you give your word, you keep your word. So if you give your word that you're going to come help on that fence, you better show up. And so uh, then the uh, love your enemies and pray for them. Uh, this is a very, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Go the second mile rather than retaliation. And so uh, that's very important. Go the second mile rather than retaliate and seeking vengeance. Then love your enemies and pray for them. 
And then he says, be ye perfect, for he is perfect. Uh, that's uh, the next command of Christ. And that's, that's looking at the maturity again. It's not perfection, sinless perfection. It's saying that you need to be a balanced Christian, a mature Christian. And, uh, and, and honestly, living these commands of Christ will help us to be a mature Christian. And continuing on in these next commands will help us. Before verse 12, I mean, uh, number 12 was do what you do in sincerity, sincerity uh, <clears throat> toward God, uh, not in a show to man. And so he goes through that. He says, you know, when you pray, you need to go in your closet. This ought to be toward God. This ought to be uh, about God. And this ought to be about your relationship with God, not about people seeing you perform. And so uh, after that, he says, okay, if you're really sincere, and this is not about you, he said, then watch this, lay up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. You see, when it's about us, it's about our treasures on earth. And God has to deal with this first. He says, look, it's not about you. It's about him. It's not about your show. It's not about how you dress. It's not about your car. And watch this, folks. Uh, there's, a, there's, again, a movement out there that says that I ought to be up here in ripped up blue jeans and a T-shirt uh, because it shouldn't be about, about clothing. Uh, okay, I, I believe that anybody, any way they walk in the door, uh, you know, as long as they're not naked, they ought to walk in the door. Uh, then we ought to accept them and love them because this place open to anybody that comes in. But I also believe every place I've ever served and worked and every business and police department, everything I've ever done, uh, you know, I was supposed to look my best. And, you know, at least if I'm going to serve God, I ought to try to look my best. Now that you're not, you're not behind this pulpit and you're not doing this. And, 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 but like I say, again, you're accepted, you're loved. I'm not expecting you to be me, but watch. If I dress like I just came out of working in the garden, that, what that does is that every, encourages everybody to come down to me rather than me looking and saying, maybe we can come up. Is that too harsh? Um, so, I, you know, I just believe, you know, okay, when I was on the, uh, the police department, they checked you out. You had to look good. I don't mean look good. You had to look good. You had to, you had to look, you know, you had to be polished up. You had to have things right. Uh, they would tell you if you needed a haircut. They would tell you different things. When, hey, look, when I went to Bible college and, and I ended up uh, working <coughs> at McDonald's, it was the most embarrassing thing I ever done in my life. I'm 27 years old. And I put on a McDonald's monkey suit. Uh, <coughs> but I got a McDonald's outfit on. I mean, I got that whole thing on, got my little paper hat on. I'm, I'm ready to go. You know, but I, I had a uniform. It was expected of me. It's amazing that the one place that we just say it's, it don't matter. Right. right. Come on, preacher. And again, understand me. I'm, talk, I'm talking about when you, this is your life, your job, that there, we ought to represent Christ the best we can. Amen. Okay. I'm not looking at anybody that comes to the door. Please understand me. Please understand me. I'm wanting you to. You are loved and welcome, and I preached this a long time ago. We look in the eyes here, not how you're dressed. Okay? That's what I want to look at. But I just want you to understand, okay, why, why I dress like I do? You know, because I, honestly, it's kind of more and more foreign that you got, you got a suit in town. Or, you know, I've had people say, I'm not sure I fit there because you're all, you know, you're all dressed up. We do look really good. But, uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> No, you fit here. You fit here. All right. 
Why does any man or uh, a woman want possessions, power, position, wealth? I went through that uh, on this last thing. Lay up treasures in heaven. We, it shouldn't be about what we accumulate here because what we accumulate here is going to vanish away. Now, this is why the Lord commands us to lay up treasures in heaven. He says in verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so if it's all in about what we can do here, what we can accumulate here, what we have here, uh, then, then God says, then you know what? Your heart's here. Your heart's in this world, but it's, he doesn't want your heart here. He wants your heart with him. And he's gonna, we're about to get to that now. So how do I keep this heart for God? How do I lay up treasures in heaven? It's the next command. Here's how I lay up treasures in heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Amen. So, you know, this is it. God says, I, I need you to lay up treasures in heaven. Why? So, oh, okay. I'm so used to walking around. Does, does this work? This is okay. Here we go. Now look, it is so very important that we we understand and we of Christ rather than about what I have here building up everything that I have here and and again God may bless you and enable you to have some things he may be enable you to be somebody that can make some money I, I enjoy those kind of people as long as they give and so uh, the the fact is he may do that for you, but listen to me. The people God really blesses and uses when they make is the, is the people that realize God gave this to me for him. Okay? And so uh, the, that's why he says, he says, he goes to the very next one. says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. If we want to lay up treasures in heaven, we must be people who seek God in our hearts, our minds, and our actions. And this verse calls, uh, it really just calls out to me. The moment you see it, it needs to be dissected. It begins with first. Uh, like the offering is the first fruits of all our increase to demonstrate our heart, mind, and soul is on God. So we are to seek God first. Okay? And so the next thing, though, is we seek God first. That means, uh, again, that doesn't mean you don't have these things. It doesn't mean you don't have things on earth. It means that they are not first. They're not your priority. They're not your life. And your life is not going to vanish and, and go away because you lost them. Okay. So, and he says, seek God first and his righteousness. Now, as I've taught before, many good Christians serve God, 
Some I desire, I think, desire to sense God and, and feel God, but few seek God. And, and this is my, my emphasis through everything that we're doing. I want a church of people seeking God, seeking to know God. Now, he says in here, uh, seek to seek his desires, his presence, his direction, his guidance, his forgiveness, his mercy. The actual meaning of the kingdom of God varies. And that's what he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, the actual meaning of the kingdom of God varies somewhat depending on the context. But, but most often it means the kingdom of God in our hearts, our minds, and our lives. You see, the kingdom of God, when in, in this portion, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You, you see... If it's all about seeking an eternal kingdom, uh, which most often when, when you think about that, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. But when he says the kingdom of God, especially in, in a passage like this, he's talking about right here, right now, that kingdom of God is you. If you're seeking him with your heart, your mind, your soul, if you're seeking God, you become that kingdom of God. And so, the, uh, uh, the kingdom of, as I said, kingdom of heaven is most often describing that future kingdom. Now, here the kingdom of God means to have the righteousness of Christ in our lives. Follow his commands. If you love me, keep my commands. And here, here are his commands. And he's saying, if you'll try to your best in your heart and your mind, you desire to keep these commands, you desire to live these, not for the sake of being keeping the commands, but because you love God and because you're seeking God and because you know this is the heart of God that we live this way, then uh, God says, this is what I'm, what I'm wanting you to do. Uh, the kingdom of God means the righteousness of Christ. This, first, uh, this is first and foremost, rather than seeking wealth, or recognition or power or even popularity, God says, seek me. Amen. Seek me, my righteousness. Seek him first. Now, if we do that, he says, everything else will be added unto you. you know, it, it is amazing when, when we're willing to seek God first and let everything about the world, you know, if God says, I want your house, you give your house. If God says, I want your, your, you, you know, to clear out your bank account. Now, I'm, I'm not telling you to do these things unless you're giving it to me. But the, uh, <laughs> no, but, you know, I mean, all, absolutely, if God just said to do it, then, then the truth is we just do it. Now, he's not going to do that to you. He's not going to come to you and say, okay, clean out your bank account and, and give somebody. Now you don't pay your bills because God doesn't work that way. He, he, there's a thing called integrity and there's a thing called virtue. And, and so God doesn't do that. But, but I'm saying it's just an extreme. But God says, uh, you know, if you'll focus on me and my desires and my commands and my, my righteousness and what I want for your life, if you'll focus on that, he said, what you're going to do is wake up one day and everything else that everybody else has been fighting for, you got it. All these things will be added unto you. Now, Again, it, it doesn't mean that you're going to be driving a Mercedes, but God says all these things, all the things, the food and raiment and clothing and things that you need, he says, it's all going to be taken care of. It'll all be, it'll all be provided. All the treasures that you thought to lay up become secondary to the treasures of heaven. And this becomes real and sustaining in our lives when we seek first the righteousness of God.
All that we need, we will have provided. Uh, this way, if you, if you want to look at it, look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33. I think it's very important with this passage because at the end, of, verse 33 is this, is this verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, and how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, and shall, not, uh, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whether shall we be clothed for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. He said, he said, that's the way the world thinks. The world is, the lost world, it, it's all about my food, my raiment, my clothing, my house, my car, my, my position. It's all about those things. He said, that's not what it's all about. He says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So he makes it real clear. He's, you know, I went to my old preacher probably 25 years ago or something and I wanted to counsel him about something. And, and I went to him and, and, and as I was counseling, him, he asked me a question and I said, well, he said something about have you prayed about that? And I said, well, no, because I, I hardly ever, I just don't pray for something for me and I expected him to look at me and say no Bob you need to do he looked at me and he said well I don't either and I thought you don't pray for anything for me either <laughs> he said no he said I don't either he said I pray for others Amen. and their needs Amen. and it encouraged me so much because I just couldn't Okay, and maybe it's just my rational thing, but I, I just couldn't make myself go to God and say, God, I need, uh, we really need a car. I mean, people would say, you ask God for a car, ask him for the color, ask him for the kind, ask him for the size of the engine, ask him. I'm like, he already knows what I need. I go and list all that stuff. He may give me something I don't really need. He knows what I need. That's what it's saying here. It's saying don't get all consumed with that stuff. God knows what you need. I tell people all the time that there's virtually nothing that I wear up here that wasn't given to me. So don't think, well, oh, man, he goes blows all his money on clothes. No, you're probably out there thinking, well, you don't look that sharp to me anyway. The, uh, but everything I've got is given to me. And so uh, it's just I, I, I don't ask for it. I don't pray for it. God, give me a new suit. I don't do that because God knows if I need a new suit. He knows if I need new shoes. He knows I need new shoes. He, 
He knows. No, God knows these things. God knows already what we need. And watch, he says, look, if you just get focused on serving me, if you get focused on seeking me, if you get focused on the things that I love, and you love those things that I love, you love the people that I love, you love the righteousness that I love, he said, don't worry about it. All the rest of it will take care of itself. You'll have it. Now listen to me, folks. Here's our problem. God will provide it. But here's what happens. Oh, we go out and we serve God. And and forgive me, but a whole lot of times we're serving God but not seeking God. And that's a very dangerous thing that you can get into. But I want you, but if you're really seeking God and seeking his heart and seeking the things he loves and seeking his righteousness and saying, God, I just want to know you, then he will give you what you need. Watch this now. Here's the problem, though, and this is where we run into trouble. He's given us a car, and we look at That's not what I wanted. I wanted to, man, I was praying for a new car. And that thing's 10 years old. You know, he supplies groceries. We started wrecking through it. Man, boy, God gave us groceries. There's not one stake in this whole thing. See, the problem is, it's not that God won't supply. It's that we're not satisfied with what he gives. And if we really are seeking God, whatever he provides, it's just a shouting fit. You know, when we were feeding those sailor boys for all those years, and when I'd bring them home on Saturday night, and I'll be honest with you, there were some Saturday nights that I walked in the door with 6, 8, 10, 12 sailor boys that, that we're going to keep and house all night, and I'd walk up the stairs. Joe Beth would count them as they came in so she'd know if she'd made enough beds and pallets and things for them uh, all around the house. And, 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 and and I, I would come in, and, and I would always walk next to her as we, she'd get through counting, and I'd look at her, and I'd say, what we got? And there have been nights where she looked at me and said, nothing. And I'd say, what? She said, Rob, we don't have anything. I couldn't go get anything. We don't have any money. And I'd say, well, what, what, what have we really got? And she'd say, she'd say, we've got water with ice or without And I would sit down with the boys, and we'd serve them all water, you know, and, and, and we'd sit there and talk a little bit after we played football. And, and, uh, and you know, we were, we're there, and, 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 and some of those boys had gotten saved, and God's been incredibly good to us. And we'd sit around the table, and we'd talk, and I'd tell them, fellas, right now, we don't, we don't have anything. I apologize, but, uh, but, but you know, the, they, they never complained. They were always okay with it. But, you know, it never failed. And, and you asked Joe Beth, it, it, probably 20 or 30 times in the, in the years that we had, those boys it never never failed that we didn't hear that about one o'clock in the morning midnight 12 30 one o'clock in the morning and we go to the door and there would be groceries down in, in outside of our door and, and you say who'd you tell we didn't tell anybody nobody knew that we didn't have anything in there and and, and we never even knew who would bring those groceries and I, I, one time I, I told you Beth I said I'm gonna find out who this is and and I said at the top of the steps and I waited and here it went and I jumped all the way down our steps. It was about four or five. I jumped down, hit that landing, grabbed the door, jerked it open, and looked outside. There was groceries out there, and over to the side, our hedges were doing this. 
And I looked at Jubal. She said, you see him? I said, no, baby. I said, either somebody just dove through those hedges or we saw an angel got caught taking off low. Now, do we have steak and all that? No, but bless God, we had cereal and we had milk and we had something to feed the boys the next day and to feed our family the next day. God will provide. It's just so very, several years ago, several construction workers happened upon a corpse outside the ancient city of Pompeii where many people died when a volcano exploded and erupted. The evidence surrounding this corpse, there was a woman, was interesting. Apparently, she had been fleeing from the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in AD 79. Overtaken by the molten lava, she died in the hot ashes. This corpse revealed in her hands she had clutched jewels. You know, the jewels survived, but she didn't. And I, I couldn't help, when I read it, I couldn't help but think, I wonder if that woman died because she was running back in to get those jewels or taking a few extra minutes to get those jewels. You know, God says, get your focus right. Man, if your family's out here outside and God wants to set you free, then let go of this world. Let go of its attractions. And, and I'm not saying we don't live in the world. I'm not saying that we don't have things or enjoy things. It's what's first. What is really first in your life? We have a couch up in our, our attic. I have no idea how old it is. But it's... Um, it's, it's the one thing that was pulled out of the fire when, when my grandparents' home burned. John, you may know, maybe in the 40s or 30s. I don't know when it was. Huh? 49. 49. So the home burned. And my dad would tell you that that thing's burning down. And he ran in and grabbed this couch and ran back out with it. I suppose probably when he ran back out with that, they probably thought, you know, we can run back and get something else. But they realized there was nothing in there that was more important than the life. And out of that whole fire, a couch came out of it. You know, it's so very important that we realize what really is the priority in our life. What are we seeking first? When the Roman Empire was in its heyday, it was a huge kingdom that kept getting bigger. The Caesars continually set out their armies to take new territory. When a new territory came under Roman control, the Romans would use force to try to make that new territory as much like Rome as possible. They would build Roman temples and institute the Roman religion, which involved the worship of Caesar. They would institute Roman education, arts, and culture. They, they built Roman baths. They would do everything they could to make the new territory just like Rome. Now, why'd they do this? They did it so that if Caesar ever came there, he would feel right at home 
because the territory was just like his home. And that's really what God's saying about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is when everything in heaven is instituted on earth. So that God's government, God's teaching, God's worship, God's glory, and God's power are manifested here on earth. And the earth looks a whole lot like heaven. So when the king comes back, that your life will look like home to him. That your home will look like home to him. That's what God's looking for. That's why he said in, his, in, the, in the prayer, thy kingdom come, thou will be done on, in heaven, uh, in earth as it is in heaven. You see, the Lord's wanting us to have the kingdom of God come in us. In order for that to really truly come in us, then the way things are done in heaven, more and more that should be desired. One of my prayers when I walk and I use so often Luke chapter 11 as a model prayer and, and just to kind of pattern my prayer. But one of the things I say is, dear God, let me live in such a way. Let me live now as much as humanly possible on this earth as I'm gonna live one day in heaven. And that means that I've gotta get some priorities right. That means I've, some things have gotta be eliminated. That means some things have gotta be added. That means my focus has to be different. That means that the first things need to be different if my first things are my possessions, my position, my wealth, my education, a story from an old preacher, one more story. A man was once invited to have dinner with a rich farmer. And after they had dined, the farmer took the man out on the veranda and, and pointed to the rich land sweeping far away. And they were laden with rich goods and products. He said, look over these lands, said the farmer, they're all mine. He took him to this visitor to the pasture and showed him uh, the choice stock, the fine horses he had. And then he pointed to the little town that he had, he had built and he really owned most everything in the town. And, and he pointed to the large home that he had where he lived. And he drew himself us and his face, uh, he drew himself up and his face lit up and with pride as he said, they're all mine. And he said, I came here a, a poor boy and I've earned all that you see. And when he got through, this friend of his looked at him and says, well, have you put anything or have you got anything up yonder? And the man, knowing really what he was talking about, the farmer replied, where are you talking about? And, and the man, uh, he really truly knew. He said, uh, what have you got in heaven? And the farmer said, well, I haven't anything there. And here was the statement. What replied that man to, to the farmer? You, a man of discretion, of wisdom, of business ability, have made no provision for your future. And see, that's what we're talking about. We, we're providing for my future. No, you're not. No, the only way you're providing for your future is if you set up your treasures in heaven. If you're looking and providing your treasures in heaven, then and only then are we providing for our future. 
And, you know, you, there are many people that are very wealthy in this world, and we see them, we hear them on the news, we hear them all the time, and we hear them on, see them on TV, and, and they're very wealthy in this world, but when they get to the next, they're going to be in poverty. Even if they're saved, they're going to live in poverty. You say, really? Now, I believe so. Because God says, lay up your treasures in heaven. They're going to get there. But the treasures are not going to be the same as some poor person that laid up their treasures in heaven. So what do you seek this morning? Well, what you seek is great evidence of who you seek. And who you seek first. So my question is, who do you seek? And then I'm going to ask you just one more question, and we're done this morning. As you're evaluating who you really seek, and sometimes, you know, we, we really, we think, man, I want to have my priorities right, but do I? And, and I kind of slip in and out of my priorities, slip in and out of my priorities, slip in and out of my priorities. But here's, here, you ready? You're going to wake up just for the test. Don't be like the guy that was in college who, who uh, at the end of each test, it was about a 50-question test, and they did it orally because there was hundreds of kids. And at the end of it, he would say, okay, if you missed a question, you can raise your hand. And one kid raised his hand after question number 12. For the next 30 questions, he raised his hand. And the teacher finally looked at it and said, what in the world? Did you not hear any of these? And he said, no, sir, I fell asleep. Some of you are going to miss this question. Okay? It's a little warm in here today. Amen? But here's the question. And you can kind of evaluate yourself what's really, what you're seeking first. Is there anything in your life at this moment that if God said, I want it, that you'd struggle giving? Is there anything that you possess? Is there anything that if God said, okay, son, I want it. I want it. Now, if you in your mind, you're thinking, okay, <laughs> time out. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. If there's anything Okay, if you've, you spent your whole life to get that piece of property, that house, and God said, I want it. Now, I'm not telling you he's going to do that. I'm just saying if he did, how would you respond? What about that car that you've wanted so bad for so long? You see, if there's anything that you desire so much that you'd balk at that and say, no, wait a minute, Lord. I'll give, you, I'll give you all of this. I'll give you all of this. But that, then we got a problem. Then he is not first. You say, Brother Hooker, that's kind of extreme. Well, I've watched more than this but just in recent days in recent years I watched the Williams family do this more than once God said I want it 
They walked away from everything and started over again. God said, I want you to go somewhere. They We're watching right now in our church a little family with a nice home, as nice as anybody could want, nice vehicles, a wonderful future. And right now that house is empty and up for sale. Those cars are being sold. And they're going to get on a plane in the end of May and go to Africa. Everything that they'd accumulated. And they don't, and I'll be honest with you, they don't even know to what extent they're going to have to let things go. Because there's keepsakes and things that just were going to run out of room. And there's going to be a bunch of tears, but watch this. You say then, are they really seeking God first? It's not that you don't have emotions. It's that you're willing to ultimately let it go. And the Brown family is doing exactly that right now. So there must be a way. And that's what God's wanting from us. He's wanting to lay up treasures in heaven. The way we do that is here on this earth. We focus on him and him alone. And watch, I'm going to say this so don't discourage you. He said, if we would seek him, all these things shall be added unto you. You know, one day I'm going to have Brooke and Mike come up and give a, a testimony. And probably not too long in the future because it's... It, it, it's overloading right now. But they've let go of everything multiple times. And right now, it's like God is saying, okay, you need that? Here it goes. You need that? We got it for you. You need that? Here it comes. It's just amazing what God is doing. Because he said, seek me first. All those things, they're nothing to me. I can provide them. And he will. Father, I pray that you'd bless here this morning. Lord, I, I thank you for your love and your goodness. Lord, I thank you for your patience with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you please this morning that you would help us as a people to truly evaluate our goals, our desires, our priorities. For in reality, it's a it is a command. Seek ye. Yes, that's a command. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek God's righteousness above all else. Seek God's purpose and love above all else. Father, may we evaluate this in our own lives. And I'd just like to say this morning, if you are here this morning, you don't know for sure if you are going to heaven. We don't go to heaven because we seek God and seek to turn away from the world and seek the things of the world. We don't go to heaven because of that. That's a gift. All these commands come to the one who have trusted Jesus. These commands are the one. Uh, that's why he started at repent. That's why he said, you know what? 
It's time for you to trust me and me alone to take you to heaven. It's time to trust Jesus Christ who lived sinlessly perfect and he died in our place for our sins. He was buried and rose from the grave for our sins and he said, I'll give you that gift of eternal life as a free gift if you'll just ask me for it. If you'll believe that I can, believe that I was buried and rose from the grave for you, believe that I shed my blood for you. He said, if you'll accept me as your savior, he said, I'll give you eternal life uh, as a free gift. He said, now, after that, I have a wonderful wonderful life ahead of you. I can help you to learn to lay up treasures in heaven to, pre to prepare for your eternity. He said, but first, repent. First, come to me. So if that's you and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'd just like to ask, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you know for sure you're going to heaven. You have no doubt about that. You, you're trusting Christ and Him alone to take you to heaven. Would you raise your hand for me? Say, that's me. I know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Or you can put your hands down. It seemed to me like virtually everyone in here. Then that means that these commands are for us. Are we seeking the kingdom of God first? Is, is that really our priority of life? If it is, then we're laying up treasures in heaven. And we're preparing for our future. As God may have spoken to your heart, maybe something you just say, Lord, there's something you want me to do. There's something you want me to change. There's something that you want me to eliminate. There's something that I think I've kind of, uh, I really have been battling over. Something I'm clinging to that I really just need to l open up my hand and let you have it so that you know that I'm seeking you first. If God's spoken to your heart like that, as she plays, if you'd like to use the altar this morning, you come. As she continues to play, if we're about done, but uh, again, if there's, this might be a place that you would consider joining, coming to be a, a part of us, then we'd love to talk.